pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord, this opportunity to get into your word on tonight. Father, speak to our hearts and give us insight and wisdom. We just thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit you sent is our teacher. We yield to you and thank you for what you're going to reveal to us on tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your grace. Lord, thank you for um, helping us run our race with patience, looking to Christ who was set before us, our example, our Lord and Savior, our helper. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to tonight look at Hebrews chapter 12, do a lesson from Hebrews 12 tonight. I want to teach from Hebrews uh, this month for the most part. And this lesson will deal with running our race. We've read this before. I want to use Barclay commentary again on tonight to bring out some, some insights. So if we could read together, please, if you can see that, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, it's a great encouraging verse to begin with. And this great cloud of witnesses, um, some have said it's the people who died in heaven, who are up in heaven cheering for us, okay? But I don't think they're paying attention to us. <laughs> they too busy worshiping Jesus, amen? And glad to be out of here. So really, it's the people in this world, folks all around us, you know, watching us, and uh, like a cloud of witnesses. And, and so that we want to, as he says here, lay aside the weight and the sin. Now, the sin should be uh, laid aside. That's kind of obvious. But the weights is also a term he uses, and that means to us, obviously, things that slow us down, right? You know, there are different types of vehicles. You've seen luxury cars. You've seen race cars, right? And like the Indy race car has no fenders, no hood, no trunk, you know, it's just designed for speed. Um, and so I think we're more like the race car or like the vehicle that's purposely built for something. Either way, we want to lay aside the weight. And it's good to think about sometimes. What, what are the weights? What are the things I could, you know, let go of or reduce that would make me more able to serve God, to pay attention to God better? And that's something I do from time to time. Um, reading this verse kind of reminds me of that. And, of course, the sin which means the weaknesses, the things that, you know, not so much, you know, drinking and stealing, but the little stuff that easily ensnares us, whatever it might be. And this is very personal to all of us. And he said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the point. The point is to run this race with endurance. Not just to run, but run with endurance. Sometime when I think about doing something or ask to be involved with somebody doing something, you know, in a, in a big way, I ask myself, well, is this sustainable? I mean, is this just something that I'm excited about today and really cannot maintain it beyond today or a week or a month? And, and so we want to run with endurance and do things that uh, God has given us grace to do that we have prepared to do, we have lightened our load to enable us to do, and I believe any, any good purpose is worth some sacrifices. There's just no way we're going to be able to um, be effective without some sacrifice. We had Veterans Day on, on Monday. I see Charlie's here tonight, and I don't think in the Army you could take your, you couldn't take all your stuff with you, golf clubs and, your, and, and all, you know, you couldn't take, you couldn't carry a bunch of stuff in there. When you left home, you left home with what? Just clothes on your back and a few things. I don't know. So, but we don't want, we, well, we don't want people who serve in the military loaded down with a bunch of stuff they don't need. Uh, so that's what he says. Then verse 2 says, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I mean, it just says it so simply, so, so correctly. You know, he, he's the one that gave us our faith. He's the one that started us 
in this walk. And he helped us to finish it. Not the faith, not author and the helper, but author and finisher. He intends for us to finish. It's a race, right? Race is designed to be finished. They're designed to be run and completed. Of our faith who, for the joy set before us, before him, endured the cross, despised, and the shame. And that's some insight into why Jesus died, why he went through all that suffering and knowing what was coming and went through it anyway because he endured the cross and well, he, he, uh, for the joy set before him, the joy of us one day coming to him. He, he knew what he said. He, he, he knew this would all result in salvation for us and, and our generations past and so who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It's amazing what we would do sometime in a, with a sense of purpose and joy. Uh, things we've endured in our lives as adults, you know, whether it's school, whether it's raising children, whether going through hardships, sacrificing for our children, not having things we could have had. Uh, you know, that's like enduring a cross in a sense. But it was for the joy of a purpose that we made these choices and sacrifices. Despising the shame. That's a, as an honest verse to me, you know, that Jesus despised all that. He didn't want that. He didn't like it. You know, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And there are, there are things we despise. I, you know, I, I remember one time, um, in fact, before we got this building, we had to, well, we, we bought the building, and I find out we had to pay the last tax bill. Even though we're tax exempt, we inherited from the, in, in the deal, we inherited the last uh, payment. Had to make the, you know, as part of the owning the building. And so I said, oh, man, I had to call every member and ask for money. I had to explain. I hated that. I despised it. You know, it was just shameful to me. You have to ask, would you please help us? Because my thing is like, hey, you know, it's offering time. Y'all give and God does the rest. <laughs> you know, I've never called people asking for money. Never. But I had to because the closing was coming up. We had to have that paid before the closing, you know, to do the closing. So I had so many. It was, it was just crazy, you know. I just I was crying and I was mad. And it was hard. It was so hard. This is, this is your church, Lord. It ain't my church. Why don't you call him? Jesus, you call him. <laughs> you call them. So anyway, sometimes you do things you have to do. Amen. And and now as adults, you know, that's part of life, isn't it? It happens a lot, really. In fact, most a lot of life is just like that. Things you need to do. You know, just well, you've changed your mindset. You don't despise it anymore, but you just don't like doing it, but it's necessary and you do it. All right. I know Brenda's in business. And I know I hate to call people who owe me money and like I did the work. Why well, got to ask for the money? You know, I, that makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you got to ask me for money that they, they promised to pay you. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but Jesus endured way more than that. I mean, he went through so much for us. Now he has sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. And here's a different version. Here's a Barclays, no, the Living Translation. Read this, please. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a large, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race of God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and is now seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Now, here's a different rendering. Discarding its shame, right? It's like just not regarding it. That's a good take. Yeah, just set it aside, okay? Now, so Hebrews writer said that life is like running a race. That's one way of looking at life. Life can be seen many different ways, a lot of ways to interpret life. Well, here he compares it to a race, not a competitive race against Another, we're running a specialized race, one that is tailored specifically for you and for me. That's, that's a good explanation right there. Because even when we run together in God's kingdom and God's church, 
yet in our lives and families, we have a specialized race, depending upon what God has called you to do, upon what your career is and such. And therefore, we can't worry about competing with somebody because it's enough to do what we're supposed to do. So focus on running your race, right? And that's, that's so key. Sometimes people want to give advice and, and uh, you know, people want to give financial advice. Like someone said, one time said, well, if you want to advise me financially, show me your portfolio. How is your race going? You know, these are financial advisors. One person also said to me, ask them if they're a fiduciary. Because a fiduciary is a whole different kind of financial person. They're actually responsible to take care of you. They're legally responsible to handle your business right if they're fiduciary. But financial advisor doesn't mean anything. There's nothing to that. It means nothing. It can be anything that there's no law behind it. There's no standards behind it. You know, they can do a good job. I'm saying they're not legally bound. So, you know, let me, so how's your race coming, you Mr. Advisor, Miss Advisor? Let me see what you can offer by showing me what you've done with what you have. Well, focus on your own race. Now, we're not running someone else's race, but part of our race is helping others run theirs. I do believe in that, right? It's not just tunnel vision. We're not in a silo. Uh, we do run with one another. And it's a, you know, it's a lot to do to run your race and yet be responsible to help somebody else run their race. That's a part of being responsible in life. And it's a part of parenting, it's a part of mentoring, it's a part of pastoring, that you have your race to run at the same time you have to help, you need to help and want to help people uh, run theirs. Now, here are some points from Barclay's commentary. Um, the race has the following characteristics. Your race has purpose. Your race is set before you or marked out for us. In fact, the Bible does that term Set before us just mean marked out. So it's just like running. Uh, it's a course that has direction and lanes and markers so you know where you're supposed to go. It's actually marked out for you. It has defined objectives and targets. We're not roaming around. We are people of purpose. We are not like a tourist, you know. You know now, <laughs> when I'm in tourist mode, roaming is the point, you know. I like and roaming, well, that's my thing, okay. Not my wife's thing. I'm the roamer. Pat wants to go, where are we going? You know, and but we go both ways, you know. So like I told you, we work it out where I roam in the morning and I come back, she's up, then we go together and we're to the plan. We're going to go somewhere, you know. But for me, roaming and exploring is so much fun because what's the point to having a vacation if you got to be somewhere? You know, that's, that's my thinking. But yet when it comes to purpose and running a race for Christ, we do want to pay attention to the race marked out for us. And sometimes, uh, you know, the, the easiest way for you to say no to something is to realize that's not, that's not marked out for me. That's not for me. That's sometimes the most honest way you can say no to somebody is to say, you know what, well, this is just not for me. And, I, you know, it happens when people want to get you involved with things, and that's their, they should ask us. You know, it's, a part of their, it's part of their way of getting things done. But you have to know what's for you, all right? I got a, uh, an email or inbox uh, just today from somebody I've known for a long time who has a brother um, who's trying to start an outreach ministry to youth and asked me if I could get with him and sit down with him. and, and go. I said, no, I can't do that. No, I, have to, I just can't. I mean, I, I believe in that, but I, I just cannot commit to that, you know. Uh, so I said, well, do you have any, can you recommend? I said, well, he can start working with somebody. You know, I mean, people want to start things without working with somebody first, you know. It happens a lot. So it's always good to just start, find, go submit and work with somebody, and then maybe you can start out later. But I couldn't do it, you know, a friend, and, and uh, in my heart, I wanted to help. But if I commit, if I said yes, and he calls me, there's a conversation that leads to a meeting, right? And then, I'm, then, I'm, then so, so here I am, you know, my, my, my course is way over here, and I'm way over there, and I'm already out the loop. So, uh, you know, but she understood, you know, it wasn't a problem. 
and it's good to ask, you know. I mean, I th- don't be afraid to ask because people will tell you they can or can't. And keep asking, you'll find someone to say yes. But he says, we have to run the race marked out for us. That's so key. And, and really, if you haven't defined your objectives and targets, that's really a recipe for becoming distracted, right? There should be enough going on with the race you're running to keep you occupied with things you're supposed to be doing to manage your course. And again, there's still time to help other people run their race. You just can't say yes to everything. Next, your race has inspiration. We have the thought of, again, this cloud of uh, unseen cloud of witnesses, and they have witnessed uh, their confession of Christ, and now they're witnesses of our performance. Again, that's a thought from Barclay. So this thought here, that it is, you know, the unseen cloud. There are people watching us that we know and a lot of folk we don't know who are observing how we're doing, what we're doing. And um, in, in the case of believers, uh, you know, they have confessed Christ and, you know, they know him. They have their own witness for Christ. Uh, but, but now they're watching us because sometimes people who have their own experience with God want to know, well, what's your experience like? What can I learn from you? What can I glean from your experiences? How has your walk with Christ and your performance in that you know, walk, how can that help me? How can I learn from that? And so we, we inspire people. We inspire people. A lot of times people don't even tell you. Sometimes you find out. People actually tell you. You inspire me. Most folks just watch you, and they uh, want to draw inspiration from you. The race has these characteristics again. Now, an athlete... Um, would strive with double effort if he knew that the stadium of famous athletes was watching him. And that's one thing, you know, to run in front of people who never ran before. <laughs> but if your audience are all former champions, <laughs> people who've run, then you feel a different responsibility before them. Amen? It's like, remember, you know, you that trial sermon, all them preachers sitting behind you, and, and you preach your first sermon, and... Uh, Everybody's listening, yes, yes, son, amen, son, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I remember back in the day, not for me, I heard it said, though, a guy going too long, a voice said, land the ship, son, land the ship. Now, my granddad did tell me, don't make him glad twice. Glad to see you get up, glad to see you sit down. So I learned some things. But it's a, but when you operate with people, you know, who have been there, who have served God, it helps us, motivates us to want to, as he says, strive with double effort. Your race has responsibility. We're encircled by the greatness of the past. We're also encircled by the handicap of our own sin. No man would seek to climb Mount Everest carrying lumber, weighing him down. If we would travel far, we must travel light. There is in life an essential duty of discarding things. Amen. And, of course, when you travel abroad, even for vacation or for purpose, like going to Africa, you got to really think about what you're going to take with you. And all of us do this. You know, we, we start out traveling with too much stuff, too many bags. Um, and you realize, you know, but you suffer so much with extra stuff that that experience conditions you not to do it next time. <laughs> but then we, uh, on, on our last trip, remember, we... Um, and a couple of guys who hadn't been, no, not the last trip, um, I think with, well, four years ago, I think it was. A couple of guys hadn't been overseas before. So Pastor Jerry and I, we counseled them, you know, just bring one bag, one carry-on, you know. Uh, you can wear stuff more than once. You can wash stuff. You got laundry. The hotel has laundry service, you know, to send stuff down. Because it is miserable to, supposed to be involved in serving God. And all this stuff you got is just slowing you down, you know, and nothing fits. So uh, obvious point he makes, but we have responsibility in this race that we're running. This point here about uh, encircled by the greatness of the past. You know, many of us are really, really aware of our ancestors, our parents and grandparents. Many of us are really aware of the people who have gone before us. We're, we're conscious of what they've done to help us get this far, you know. And a lot of us feel like, I, I just can't do less. You know, I just cannot let, let them down or, or, or the memory or the sense of what I know that they accomplished 
I can't settle for a lesser commitment, you know. Um, your race requires patience. And this word, uh, hupomone, does not mean the patience which sits down and accepts things, but the patience which masters them. I like that. I probably didn't pronounce it correct, hupomone, uh, but that word patience is not the one that just sits down and accepts things. You know, I just, I got to deal with it like it is. But it's the patience that masters things, right? Uh, and your patience possess your soul, one verse says. The ideal here, I believe, is patience just gives us the opportunity to allow God to help us. Patience is not a mindset where I'm not going to do anything. It's that I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to be rash. I'm not going to do anything foolish. I'm going to, you know, it just says here, it's the determination, unhurrying yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. That's good words there from, uh, from William Barclay. Um, and so our race requires that. Right? I've never run long races, you know, that's not my thing. Some of you all have. And you've got to get your mind right to run a long way. <laughs> you, know, you know, you have to be, have your mind right. Um, I've done some things, like long bike rides when I was younger and things like that. But, uh, you know, your mind has to be, well, your whole person got to be conditioned to do something that's, that's difficult and to kind of push past that, the wall, push past those, that urge to stop and give up. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, that's the whole point. So the race, your race has an example our example is Jesus himself, for the goal that was set before him, he endured all things to win it, and it meant the way of the cross. And the writer to the Hebrews has a flash of insight, despising the shame. Uh, a cross was a humiliating thing. It was for criminals, and yet he accepted it. That's true. I mean, crucifixion was not something for godly people, for good people. Matter of fact, I found out that Roman citizens were not even crucified. That was for other people. Or if you were a Roman guilty of high treason, they crucified you. But crucifixion was not something done to Roman citizens. Okay? That's how, much, that's how bad it was. Uh, but yet Jesus endured the worst type of suffering and death in that day, which is crucifixion. And I just read, if I read an account for a paper I was writing, um, there was a, um, um, what was the person who, a coroner. What's the what, what's the coroner's actual? This no, that's a no. That's medical examiner. Yeah, medical examiner, and uh, and he actually analyzed Jesus suffering and death. You know, from from a forensic point, I mean, he couldn't examine, but he was thinking about knowing what the Bible says and what the body can take and handle. And he just said, what Jesus endured was certainly supernatural. I mean, he no normal person, no person without God keeping him alive in order to suffer more would have endured all that. He got into some, some details of just some horrible things. But Jesus did all that for us. Amen. He did all. It took all that to save all of us. For all time. I mean, for, in his, for past, present, and his future, it took all that suffering to accomplish that. So he's our example. And um, an example in the sense that uh, we can endure things in order to win for others. We can endure whatever we have to endure to be able to, uh, to, be, to, pre to prevail and to, to achieve the purpose. Your race has the joy of finish, finishing. Uh, amen to that, right? Keep our eyes on the prize. Don't forget why you're running. Don't give up in the middle. A lot of people, you know, start out school, quit school. You know, some, some had to quit. You know, we know that. But some folk just just dropped out, you know, just uh, just you know couldn't hack it, wouldn't hack it, and uh, well, I did that myself, you know, and went back and finished. But it happens, you know. But it's good to finish, isn't it? It's good to finish things. Now, some things, you know, honestly, some things you ought not finish. Some things, if God wasn't in it in the first place, why knock yourself out? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, why knock yourself out. So don't don't, don't be condemned. But if you're in the uh, will of God, keep your eyes on the prize. All right. Hebrews 12, continuing 13, uh, 3, rather. Hebrews 12 and 3, let's read. 
For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord. Do not be uh, discouraged when the Lord uh, rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son who he receives. That's pretty straight talk, isn't it? That's a straight talk. For people who think that God won't deal with you and won't handle stuff in your life, he will handle us. But he says here, again, in terms of example, consider him who endured hostility. Jesus endured hostility. I mean, we, we see it. We read it. We've seen the film Passion of Christ. I mean, we know this. So he says, now, keep that in your mind, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We have to keep people in our minds who, like, old, like, like senior saints, encourage me, right? Uh, people who have disability encourage me. But how much more shouldn't Jesus encourage us and who endured so much? And, of course, he says, verse 4 here, and you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So it's not like, you know, you had a fight for your life just to continue to serve God. <laughs> not many of us in here have had the choice of, you know, being beaten uh, or, you know, stop preaching or I'm going to beat you, you know. We haven't come to that. We haven't come to that. So Jesus went to that place and more. He says, have you forgotten the exhortation he, which speaks to your sons? Do not despise the Lord's chastening. Now, chastening, by the way, chastening is not spanking. Chastening is correction. Chastening is training. It's training by words. It's not, it's not spanking and, and, and beating. Um, so chastening, you know, Lord, well, you, you know, sometimes you can get, you know, I remember growing up with uh, mom and dad, you know, just spank me and get over with, you know, all this talk and all this, all this instructions and chores. I, I'd rather get a little quick beating, you know what I'm saying, and, and get over that. But chastening is really what helps us. And parents miss that. Some parents will haul off, hit the kids all the time. You don't teach them anything but the duck, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, you know, people, I mean, spanking is overrated really, really big time. Um, now, God does spank us because he says here, he says he scourges. That's spanking. Scourging, that's spanking. Okay, that's, that's being beat. But chastening is first, then scourging comes if needed. Uh, but, yes, we, we really need to be uh, chastened and rebuked by him. It's something that believers, you know, we all have experienced and we all need it. Anybody think they're above chasing and rebuking is just hadn't lived long enough yet in Christ. For whom he loves, he chastens, right? So the Father God, natural parents, you know, there are people I leave alone. I don't love them like that. You know, I'm not in their life like that. I don't speak up. I don't know who you are. I don't just jump in and, and, and ask you to change your ways. Unless God tell me, but it's not my role to personally engage your development as a person. Um, so then, but those you love, you chasten. Those students, uh, teachers love the students. My wife, you know, she loves, she chases. She loves the students, you know. I mean, sometimes all teachers don't love kids, right? Some kids get away with stuff. I don't, don't want to fool with you. you know? Well, if you love them, you fool with them. You, know? you deal with them. If you love them because what you're doing is passing that behavior along to the next person. And in fact, behavior magnifies. You know, bad behavior magnifies in children. What's not dealt with at two gets worse at three. And then at four and five, I mean, stuff gets worse. If you don't deal with it, they become emboldened, right? They, they, they began thinking. I can do this with everybody, you know, because Pat always tells me every year, you know, somebody come in from previous school or previous class and going to try to run Pat like they ran the last teacher. No, no, it's not happening over here. You, you know, you know, you don't run me, you know, so. And uh, but that's what chastening, chastening is so important. And it comes even before scourging. And chastening will will prevent having to scourge. But scourging does come too, right? So that's a shame we can't, well, you know, we have daycare and we didn't spank because I didn't trust my staff. 
Yeah, I don't trust y'all to be smacking these people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we they need it, but you won't do it. Because it's, it's just, no, I don't trust you that much. Plus, it's legally, it's a problem. Plus, it's just flat out wrong, you know. But yet, but what's even worse is call the parents off work. Make them come over there. That's worse for the kid. To pull the parent off the job, to come deal with you. Yeah, you, you can spec here. That room around the corner there, use that room over there. <laughs> so, you know, it, scourging has this place. We know this. But it's really overrated. And really, it's a, it's a poor substitute for sitting down, understanding, and, and chasing. Sometimes even we don't know what kids really are dealing with, or people for that matter. And so their behavior, their acting out may come from something else, some emotional trauma, some traumas. We don't know what we're doing. I mean, we got to be careful with people, don't we? Because we don't know what they're dealing with. And the, wrong, and the wrong method can really make things worse for people. So the writer of the Hebrew uses two vivid words when he speaks of fainting and growing weary. There are words which Aristotle uses of an athlete who falls to the ground and collapses after he has surged past the winning post of the race, all right? So the ideal here, you know, don't, he says, don't be weary and faint in your mind. And the ideal is, as he said, it's like a, you know, a person running who, you know, at the end of the race, near the end of the race, just exhausted and want to fall out. But these race, you know, these, these runners, you see these guys and girls, they'll, they'll hang on. They could drop right where they are right now. But they just... They hang on until the, until the race is over. They go past the line, the, the finish line, then they fall out, right? Well, if you're going to fall out, wait till the finish line. You know, don't fall out before the finish line. What's the point? I mean, if you can, if you can make it, make it. And you see it a lot. People just, they, they condition themselves, and they can't, they, they can't go one step further to the finish line. That's how, that's how focused they were on finishing, because when they finished, they couldn't make one more step. That's amazing, isn't it? So um, that's the sense of the word here, is even though, you know, there is weariness, uh, but we don't faint before we finish. We don't fall out. We, we don't just, you know, collapse. Now, truth be told, we do collapse. We do fall out. We do have times of we can't go any further. But God gives us grace to do it at the time we need to do that. You know, amen? You know, it is when we have... We had, we had a funeral, we had, you know, pass out. It broke my heart, you know. And she, she passed, and, and so we are preaching the funeral. All I want to do is cry. You know, I don't want to preach. I want to weep and mourn, you know. Can't do that. You just can't, when you, you know, so there are times where you've got to just do what you have grace to do until you get past that point, and then you can go ahead and do what you got to do. Amen? So, in effect, he, uh, Hebrew writer is saying, don't give up too soon. Don't collapse until the winning post is passed. Amen. And I do advise people, you know, I don't tell people, you know, be strong, always hang in there. You know, someone said, as per said, I'm, I'm hanging on. So that's a good thing. Hang on. That's the, that's the best word. Hanging on is the, actually, the, <laughs> that's the best thing to do is hang on sometimes. Just hang on. People have to dress it up and, and put positive spin on it, you know. Uh, you don't help yourself by not being honest with how you feel and what you're going through. Amen, somebody? Yeah. It don't help at all to, kind of, to, paper, to wallpaper over all that. Just, just do it when you can do it. Do it when it's appropriate to do it. Because we all need to just be still and uh, let God help us and encourage us. So he's using uh, here two arguments you know, to help us understand this importance of, of persevering. Um, so for, he says, for them, the struggle of Christianity has not yet become a mortal struggle. When he speaks of resisting to the point of blood, he uses a very special military, uh, a very military phrase. He uses the very military phrase leaders use. I'm sorry. He uses the very phrase military leaders use when they are called on, when they call on their troops to fight to the death. Okay, there it is. So now that's just hard to comprehend, but there's a time when orders are given to go fight the enemy and you might die. You might not come back alive. And that's the sense that's being used here where um, we, we've, not, we've not struggled to the point of shedding blood, many of us. But our mindset 
probably should be. I, if I had to, I would. Right? If that's the standard, that's the standard. If it takes that, it takes that. And people in our history have done exactly that. Our ancestors and such, people have had to go all the way out. So when writer of Hebrews says that, that his people have not yet resisted to the point of blood, as Moffat, some writer, puts it, he is not blaming them, he's shaming them. When they think of what the heroes of the past went through to make their faith possible, surely they cannot drift into lethargy or flinch from conflict. Now, that's, I wouldn't put it just like that. I mean, shaming peace, I wouldn't do that as much as. But the idea is we personally have the point of view that I'm not going to let myself not serve God for something lesser you know, than what Jesus has done for me, my parents have done for me. What I've seen people do, how can I do less than that? How can I just, you know, become lethargic? How can I just flinch when people in front of me help me by not flinching? What if people ahead of me and who brought me through had given up? I wouldn't be here today. Amen. So I'm just the point is, that the, I think what he's saying, what Barclay's saying is that uh, the sense of it is going back to what he said in Hebrews about, you know, We've not yet shed blood, resisting sin. Uh, it's just a mindset that we just we're going to determine by God's grace. I'm not going to just quit on God and give up and sell out when I've had so many examples, and Jesus Christ most of all, of someone who prevailed, who endured, and who came into the place of purpose and finished the race. That's what he's saying there. So that's a, that's, that's a bold challenge, but I believe it's a good, a good word for us. He pleads with them to compare what they have to suffer with what Jesus suffered. He gave up glory, which was his. He came into all the narrowness of the life of humanity. He faced the hostility of men. And in the end, he had to die upon a cross. That's what Jesus did. Now, we, again, our calling doesn't go that, <clears throat> that far. But if he did all that, what am I going to do? I mean, in light of what Jesus did, what choices do I make now? How important is life? How important is God? How important are people of God in my life that I'm willing to at least, I can't go this far as far as Christ went, but I can go, you know, further. So the writer of the Hebrews, in effect, demands, how can you compare what you have to go through with what he went through? He did all of that for you. What are you going to do for him? That sounds legalistic, you know. I think the argument is just that, it's a mindset. It's not, it's not a doctrine. It's just that we've got to think about uh, what motivates us, right? You know, we all, <laughs> we all experience things in life where people just, you know, flake out and just, just stuff happens, you know, like, come on, man, you know, <laughs> come on, you know, go, come on here. And, uh, you know, we sometimes see it, and, you know, when I was teaching college, I saw young adults, you know, and just not do stuff, you know. Just not do stuff. You didn't read that? You didn't read that, you know? That one chapter. I didn't have time, whatever. You, you know, I mean, I didn't go off. Just like, I'm thinking, all right, <laughs> you know, that's your choice. And the grade will reflect your choice. Grades reflect your choices, right? And in fact, my program I'm doing now, um, doing a lot, I've done one course that has all its, its books and papers. And man, there's so much in it. Like, come on, yeah, but it's a doctor's course, right? And but now to give you a choice, you can do they actually tell you what you get for all you're gonna do. You can choose to leave stuff off. <laughs> it's gonna affect your grade though. <laughs> you cannot do all that, you know. So I'm not doing it all, obviously. But it's a lot. It's a whole lot. But that's the choice we make. And, it's, and so our choices have been informed by who's gone before us. What I see my dad do, my mom do, my wife, I mean, many of you all I mean, you just if you see enough of life and appreciate enough of what people have done around you, you're not going to do any less than you can do. Now, you can't do everything that you want to do. Sometimes your ability won't take you all that far. As far as, but, but at least you're not going to just not give up, right? Just throw your hands up and say, I'm not going to do that. Because that happens. It's happening more and more in this world. And it's sad to see, isn't it? And to me, it's heart, heartbreaking that... <clears throat> Sometimes you really can't, you just cannot persuade people. You should go for the best, you know, in your life. You should just go for that. And they just don't, they just choose not to. 
What else? Can, what can you say? What can you do? All right. Any questions, comments? I think that's my last slide there. No. Okay. Well, here we go. The two verses. These two verses stress the essential costliness of the Christian faith. It cost the lives of the martyrs. It cost the life of him who was the son of God. The thing which costs so much cannot be lightly discarded. And that's that to me is a perspective on again looking back in the past at our ancestors and such like that. A heritage like that is not something that a man can hand down tarnished. These two verses make the demand that comes to every Christian. Show yourself worthy of the sacrifice that men of God have made for you. Kind of old school message, isn't it? But it's still a true message, you know. And again, it could be taken wrong, you know, in, in these days of greasy grace, you know. People can take everything wrong we're saying here. But we're not saying this is based on our works. We're saying I'm going to work based on the grace of God, an example before me. I like this part that we can hand, you know, hand the heritage down in untarnished. I want to I want to give to my children and give the people in the community what was given to me, not not diminish it before I give it, not reduce it before I give it. Amen. All right. OK, that's it. Any questions, comments? Yes. 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 That's real. It's a real thing. Yes, it is. And, you know, we don't have anybody holding weapons on us saying that, you know, deny Jesus or else you die. Right. You know, we, we don't have people losing their property, mm-hmm. livelihood, and everything we take away. We don't, we don't experience that. But um, the word of God says that when that does happen, that we're not to be in any way terrified mm-hmm. by our adversaries. Right. Yes. Because when when you stand like that, when God, when the grace of God helps you to stand like that, mm-hmm. He said it's a sign to them of what of destruction that's coming. Right. Because they know that the only reason you can stand like that, you have to really know and believe the God that you serve. Yes. And and you know I think about uh, hearing you know broadcasts come across uh, the radio and different places every week about the reports about the martyrs, people being martyred for the cause of Christ. Yes. And as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about Nigeria and how the persecution of the people in the north and so Yeah, the Muslims, yeah, Muslims. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that it was just, it's just very tragic right now over there. And, um, but then the very next week, <laughs> I heard an announcement from a ministry, and I don't know their name, but they were, they were announcing how they had gotten hundreds of radios and already programmed with the gospel message mm. into that area. Yes. And that and so there people can hear the message from that. Yes. Yes. You know, and I, I just say, well on the one hand, you know, you hear the bad news, on the other you hear the good news. But that's but that's just the conflict we live in in this world. You know. Yes. That, you know, until Jesus comes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but you know, when I, what you know when you think about people going through struggle to mm-hmm. serve God. You know, what excuse do we have? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's real. I mean, it's, you know, it's real. We hear reports. I've not seen it, even in Africa, I have not seen it in Africa, but I'm aware of it. And I do, actually, I do subscribe. Well, I follow news, like, like BBC uh, from England has the very best news from Africa. I mean, you know, pretty much all of our news, all of our news channels focus on America, you know, but the BBC and Al Jazeera, they give you the straight scoop around the world, and those those stories come out many times, and um, and this is heartbreaking. I mean, I'm looking for something here. I um, one of my papers I was looking at um, in Roman times, Nero, you know, persecuted Christians in horrible ways, and I saw here. I don't. I won't be able to find it. I don't, it's too much here. But there was um, a correspondence. This all kind of records have been found. Uh, letters between emperor and these uh, judges, I mean the, uh, the province governors and such. But I found one dealing with a discussion about how to punish Christians. And, you know, do we, do we get the children with the parents because they confess Christ or not? And one guy was conflicted about it, you know. And just the point is, I mean, 
they were talking about killing people like we talk about, you know, going to the store and buying, buying I mean, just, you know, like, we, you know, like, I mean, like slaughtering like animals, you know, just, just nothing. And, but you're right. I mean, those, those things, the persecuted church around the world is real. And folk around here think they're being persecuted. You ain't being persecuted around here, you know. They don't, let, I, they don't let me pray like I want to. Well, that's bad. Pray somewhere else, you know. It's not that you can't pray at all. Some places you can't pray at all some places. So anyway, thank you. Other questions, comments? Question, yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been there too. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go through stuff, but I need to. You know, that's why back in the old days they had <laughs> they had horns on the altar, tie the tie the sacrifice down, bind them to the altar, and. uh but you know what happens? You know, you know how it is. We, we kind of get accustomed to God working with us to the point where we kind of then, we kind of value whatever he does, you know. Like I told you oftentimes in art school, I used to hate that critique every Friday. Put the work up on the wall. Everybody talking about your stuff like, oh, this is bad. I hate this. But then I love it because it made you better. When the people who knew art were talking about your art, and not to derogatory. I mean, I thought it was derogatory. No, actually, it was, it, was just, it was to help you, you know. So then you look forward to the criticism from people who know because it only makes you better. And to this day, I welcome criticism from folk who know. Now, you know, I'm t- people don't know nothing. I don't care what they got to say. But folk who know something about it, please talk to me. I cannot get better without that kind of criticism. Amen. And so that chast- chastening does just that, doesn't it? Yeah. Anything else? Questions, comments on the lesson tonight? All right. Any uh, any prayer requests tonight? Any prayer requests? Everybody's good to go? Everybody's healthy, wealthy, and wise? Yes, you are. <laughs> to the degree that you're able, you know what I'm saying? And we are wealthy people in this country, aren't we? We got needs here, but man, we are we got it so good around here. It's it's amazing, amen. It's amazing, boy. This God has helped us and blessed us. Like I said, you know, Pastor Dan was with us, you know, last year, Daniel from uh, Kenya. And the thing he can't get over is the roads. How smooth the roads are. <laughs> Everywhere. Like we traveling to, we traveling, yeah, even India, you know what I'm saying? You, 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 you can just go around a chuck hole over there. You can't go around it. You're going down. And you're coming back up, you know, like a crater. <laughs> but, and, um, yeah, I mean, with trouble we have, a legal system, by and large, it works. It works, you know, by and large. And, and by and large, the police are honest, by and large. And it's just it's a lot to be thankful for, you know. It really is. We, you know. But not to say we don't, we accept what's, you know, I don't like what's wrong. We, we, we can't be better and we should be better. Amen. All right, any prayer requests? Anything else? Any sure no prayer requests? Everybody's good? Now, we did have a meeting before Bible study talking about the Christmas outreach. We had a good meeting. And so we're, you know, making plans. And, and we'll talk more about that Sunday. Uh, on the 14th will be the event at Blackburn Terrace. Had a long agenda, a lot of things to do, a lot of, Work for everybody can be involved. This would be a, a great time for everybody. In fact, one, one big piece of it, you know, we, we haven't using the, the big room with tables all around the room with gifts and clothing and books and things, a prayer table. So there's room for everybody to work, you know, the tables and so forth. And uh, it'll be a, it'll be an all church event. I look forward to doing it. So I mean, it's coming together. I already got the money. Uh, I think I told you that we uh, normally. We make the application. We get a letter that says you've been approved. We sign it. We send it back. They send the check. This year, they put the check in with the letter of acceptance. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> they put the check in there, you know. I, I mean, Pat told me. I, I, I mean, 
I didn't notice that. I figured, yeah, I, I, I guess. So I, a good mistake, you know, but yeah. So uh, that was great because, you know, they have confidence in us. So we, you know, $3,800, you know, almost 4000 So that's, that'll help us help the people, amen? It will, it will. Lord, thank you for this planning for the event. Thank you for Candace and Minister Epps, Lord, who are working on this principally. Lord, thank you for all the help from the share team and everybody. Uh, thank you for giving us grace and wisdom on what items to purchase and, and Lord, quantities and this, all those items and all those details. Lord, thank you for favor with uh, contacting people to invite them. Thank you for good weather, Lord God, on that day, December 14th. Thank you for a good day, Lord, that folk can walk across the parking lot or their yards and come across to the clubhouse and receive the gifts and prayer. We just thank you in advance for what you're going to do, for the souls being saved, the people being discipled, added to the church. We thank you, Father God, for uh, this opportunity to reach the people. Lord, thank you now for watching over all the saints, watching over Mother Jones and and, uh, and Pat Jones, Mother Faree, all of our senior saints. Continue to encourage, Lord, George Satterwhite and the children, Jasmine and, and uh, Chris. Uh, just watch over, Lord, all who, who need prayer and, and, then, and coming into the holidays, a difficult time for some, missing loved ones. Just thank you for comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, thank you, Lord, for encouraging us on a lesson tonight that we can follow our Lord and Savior, looking to Jesus, often finish of our faith, Give us, Lord God, just uh, the motivation and the grace to endure and then to run the race marked out for us. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, saints, God bless you. Offering basket is right there. So please uh, leave an offering here or do it online. And we'll see you Sunday. All right? God bless you.